Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. I am very excited about today's episode, and I know you're going to learn a lot and love it too. But first, I kind of want to share a backstory with you, if that's okay. About a year ago, my coach and I were at a breaking point. I'd just finished the Chicago Marathon and after two out of two marathons crashing and burning and not because of mistakes I was making, we knew we needed to do something big. It was time to fix the one thing I've been putting off for years, my running form. We researched for hours until we came up with a clinic that was about six hours away. Was it worth driving six hours to have someone look at my running form? We thought about it for a few days, kind of went back and forth, but in the end we decided it was. We made the trip and I left the assessment barely able to speak. My mind was just spinning so fast I could barely talk. I did what they recommended and I worked really hard at it. So fast forward a year, I've been back to the clinic and I intend to go back a third time. But what is this place? Well, it's the University of Virginia Speed Clinic. Now... This podcast episode is not going to just be about the clinic, although I would highly recommend it to anyone who can actually make that trip. At $350 for a two and a half hour assessment, I'd say that's a pretty good deal. However, I know for many of you, it's just not realistic traveling distance, especially if you're overseas. The focus of this podcast is running form and how making small changes in your day-to-day running, as well as bursts during your run, can not only keep you injury-free, but allow you to accomplish the primary reason you started running in the first place. Anyone have any ideas what that is? Because you enjoy it. My guest today gives some fantastic insights into in a clear, understandable manner. He's incredibly smart, but he actually gets his message across in words we can all understand. So I'm really excited for this interview and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. So who is my guest today? My guest today is Max Prokopi. He has a master's in exercise science, which he got from UVA. He worked with Jay Ducherry, who was the former director of the UVA Speed Clinic. And he actually is one of the guests on our uh, Runners Connect form course. Max is currently working on his PhD in nutrition and was a guest strength coach for the Anaheim Ducks. He is now the director of the UVA Speed Clinic, which actually stands for Strength, Power, Endurance, Education, Development. Kind of cool. And what does that do? Well, it looks at runners and golfers and gives them a 3D analysis of their running form. So today, Max and I are going to talk about why full body gait analysis in assessments are not just for elites, and they may actually be what you are looking for to prevent your future injuries. Why focusing on your form for just 30 seconds per mile can make a huge difference and how to give yourself an assessment to begin making changes. I think that's probably the one most of you are interested in because, you know, like I said, it's not realistic for everyone to get to a clinic like this or even just to get to a clinic at all if you're in a country where that may not be available to you. So this is how you can do it yourself from your home and you can do the exercises right there and then. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. All right, so enough from me. Are you ready to meet Max? Let's go. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Max. Thanks for having me, Tina. I'm very excited to talk to you and uh, 
for those runners connect listeners right now i actually do know max quite well um those of you who know me personally i've actually spent quite a lot of time with max uh going down to the clinic that you are going to learn about today so uh i do know max a bit more than most of my guests i do have on the show and actually i think you're one of the first people i actually have met in person that i <laughs> that i actually am interviewing so this is great um and uh yeah we'll kind of go into that a bit more soon so First off, uh, could you kind of tell our listeners what the UVA Speed Clinic is? Just give it to us in some detail as to what people can expect. Sure. Um, we were, the UVA Speed Clinic was founded as a gate laboratory, which means we study walking and running. And it was, it was a part of the university's package in the School of Medicine to, to essentially fulfill its missions of both clinical, uh, teaching, as well as research. And, and we had really literally the first um, force plate instrumented treadmill available for for public access uh, really in the world and a force plate instrumented treadmill is simply um, a treadmill that's very special in that it has uh, force plates underneath and so you can actually run over top of something while getting an average output of forces and that happens in, in several directions so once we combine that uh, force data with uh, something else that we have, which is infrared cameras, we can actually calculate, for example, the force on your knee when you're running um, through a series of fancy equations. And what all that technology boils down to is we help people figure out uh, why they're losing speed or power or why they're getting hurt. Um, a lot of times you can see runners either on video or at a shoot store and they'll be told that they overpronate or something very basic um, and there's many, many reasons somebody could have that sort of ailment or affliction and our technology helps get to the bottom of that uh, so the lab has been a uh, focus of research for a long time uh, people can look up the research of dr casey kerrigan uh, extensively on footwear and orthotics as well as uh, stretching protocols uh, we've done research that shows that triathletes after they get on a bike indeed run quite differently than they normally would. Um, all kinds of other cool research topics. And now we serve the general population of runners as well as uh, some very special runners like you, Tina. <laughs> oh, thank you. And uh, you've given me, there's so many different directions I could take this right now. I'm, I, I kind of want to make sure I keep a lot of those in the back of my mind because I want to ask more about them. But just to kind of keep diving into what exactly um, people would expect. So you did mention it's kind of now open to the everyday population. So you are saying that, you know, someone's a, a runner who's a, you know, a four hour marathoner or um, just someone who's running, you know, a 30 minute 5k, they are still going to benefit from this. This isn't just something all those elite runners do. That's true. In fact, some of our best success stories, some of my favorite people to work with are, are the older ones. We actually had a lady from the Washington Post come down and tried to try, qualify for Boston, I believe 24 times she tried to qualify. And she saw us and wrote an article. It was very, very nice of her to write the article. And, and um, actually she qualified her next time out on her 25th try. Oh, so, cool. and that was great. She didn't break an age bracket or anything, but, but she actually made it to, to qualify. And those are some of my favorite stories. Um, we have seen everybody from, I think, 10 is the youngest person we've seen, and 85 is the oldest. Wow. Yeah, we've seen a gentleman who was 82 and completed a Boston Marathon. So that would oh, be an honor that we've seen. 
yeah so we see all shapes and sizes so it's okay it's, it's a lot of fun and a lot of variety but but yeah, yeah. Um, sort of your average runner is the house that's actually people that that we see the most of okay great okay so what would a runner expect when they arrive at uva i mean obviously i know but for people listening well, uh, the appointments last a long time. They last about two and a half hours. And um, if, if you can find a way to spend two and a half hours with any healthcare professional in, in the American system, more power to you because that's a lot of time to spend with somebody and, and hopefully learn. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to learn a lot. Uh, you'll run a little bit. Um, you might be horrified by some of the results or things you have to say, but don't worry about it. <laughs> because by the end we show you how to fix things. So, so the basic outline is, is you come, um, you're, you're a little lab guinea pig for a few minutes while we put some things on you and you kind of poke and prod. And then we test you in every manner possible, both your running and your movement. And then we show you what's going on and then what to do about it. So like I said, all told it takes about two and a half hours and uh, hopefully along the way you learn quite a bit. And I, yeah, I can kind of attest to that, that, yeah, it is a long appointment. And, uh, you know, I remember when I left the first time, I felt like my head was just, I felt like I'd taken a big five hour exam. I was just like, walked out the room and I was like, uh, 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 I, I don't even know what to say. But um, <laughs> it, it is, it's so eye opening. And I can, I can say that I, I did try hard with the exercises Max and his team gave us and um, I could not believe the difference um, and it really even though it's a long assessment it it really does get you do like he said you do look at every single angle and uh, I think maybe uh, that's something that other runners may kind of listening right now be like how can you look at running form for two and a half hours so can you kind of explain you know why why you would need that long to kind of look at all the different areas oh that's a great question so mm -hmm. it takes us time first of all to prep somebody um we have to put little reflectors on you because we use infrared cameras and we have to get you acclimated to the equipment because even though even if you're used to running on treadmills this one's going to feel different um, we also take some of our own observations and then movement testing takes a while so if i was i don't want to get into too much you know break it down but the actual time you spend looking and talking about your running is probably 20 to 30 minutes. The time that we spend on injury history, um, for, for, for your case, Tina, for your example, we spent a lot of time talking about your weight training and your sort of uh, off running, your cross training type of behaviors. We spent a whole lot of time on that. I think mm -hmm. we probably spent just an hour on just that. Yeah. Um, because that ended up being our glaring weakness. And, and luckily you found Drew and Steve to, to work with you. Um, but but so, so the each individual, the appointment kind of takes its own course. I, I kind of let that grow as each person comes in. But you're guaranteed to be running a little bit, doing an injury history, um, seeing yourself run and having that explained to you. We will try to, as best we can, explain to you why you've been hurt the way you have. Um, we can make recommendations for footwear and obviously corrective exercises as well. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that two and a half hours might, might um, be taken up by different things. Like for example, Tina, we spent like I said, a good hour on your sort of cross training. We spent less time on some of the other things like footwear because you have great support from Sabi and we don't, we don't need to worry about that too much in our case. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting, even for me, re- uh, hearing you say that right now, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't aware that different people have different channels. But that again, just kind of shows how much care and attention you kind of pay to each individual. So it's, that's interesting to hear about. So when someone wants is going to leave the appointment, um, you know, obviously, two and a half hours, they're not going to remember everything you said. Um, and so you give a full assessment and a CD with the uh, images and the kind of diagrams and um, graphics that you um, uh, created or will send them afterwards. But can you kind of describe, as I'm not very good at it, um, the, the kind of 3D analysis and what that comes down to, what someone could expect to leave with if they did come to the UVA speed clinic? Sure. So we've we've upgraded our service a little bit that people no longer take home a DVD. Um, They now take home a thumb drive, a USB flash drive, which is good. Um, And that will contain um, sort of an animation of their running with a stick figure that's that's that is literally their running. It's just rendered into a stick figure with forces and all kinds of stuff. And there's about 12 or 13 pages of graphs of joint angles and forces in all three dimensions. Um, and that, that's really a lot to wade through. And in, and in fact, the harder part of my job is actually sifting through those and picking out maybe two to three things. I try not to go over three things in a session, more than that, because it can, as you say, be overwhelming. Um, but so, so people will take that home. And then the corrective drills, we have pretty much every one that I do is narrated uh, with a video component, with good reps and bad reps and all that. And so you actually take that home as well. And then within a day or two, I send an email summary, um, a summary by email that really kind of helps recapitulate what, what we discussed and helps uh, people kind of redigest and all that thing. And, and they're welcome to show any of that to a physical therapist or a doctor um, to help them in their course of care as well. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something, you know, that's good about taking away from this is that it's not you know, you're not uh, pushing people into a certain kind of shoe or you're not, you know, directing people towards a certain therapist or whatever. You are giving everyone who leaves with you their own little package of what they need to do. And like you said, you, you're happy to work with another physical therapist. But if you want to just go home and do it yourself, then great. That's So that kind of says something right there that you're not after, you know, anything else uh, from them. You're not kind of swayed by a certain person or a certain company. So. That's probably something you pride yourself on with that part. <laughs> we try. As a public university, we also have to be very careful yes. about um, funding sources or recommendations and advertising. I think we, we can recommend shoe types. We very rarely, as in never, will go with a particular brand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, working with other therapists uh, or people in somebody's particular area uh, is why that gets us the best result. So I mean, we've seen people from, we had a group come from Russia last winter. Uh, we've seen people from South America, Asia. So people have come from all over and we're happy to work with uh, whoever's in their particular area. Wow, that's great. And you said about, you know, people coming in with injuries, uh, if they have had something. Uh, two parts to this question. Uh, firstly, if someone is already injured, you know, pretty pretty painful to run every day and they're just kind of trudging their way through it but they kind of know in the back of their mind maybe it's time to back off or take some time off is that the wrong time to come in or the right time to come in and then secondly is this just for people with an injury history or is it for anyone you know wanting to improve their form 
those are those are two good questions i'll handle them one at a time yeah. um, um we would like people to not be in acute pain uh, a little bit of irritation or uh, Dr. Bob Wilder, who is in our department, he's a chair of our department, is one of the top running physicians in the world, has a rule that uh, no limping. Mm -hmm. um, and we have the same for our assessments. And, I, and for me, I just make a rule. Of, if your pain is over a three out of 10, then I don't want to see you. You need to resolve symptoms um, and, and come and see us another time because pain is going to change how you move. And I don't know which comes first. Um, so what we do is um, we'll see people who are in some discomfort, but again, mild discomfort, and we really take them through the hows and the whys. Uh, we also see people who come in for straight performance. So our treadmill is able to pick up forces and things. In fact, we just had a couple of collegiate baseball players come in last week who just, um, the chances for them to get drafted go up if, if they, they get faster on the bases. And so we really just work with them there. Okay. Okay. Good. And with the, you know, if someone has been running for a while and they've had a certain area that keeps coming up, you know, maybe it's their hips or maybe it's their, you know, their ankle area. If there's a certain area that does keep finding different spots to be, uh, you know, you get over one and the next comes, is that a good time for someone to think, okay, you know, something needs to change here? Absolutely. Um, and and it, honestly, Tina, it can be as simple as having somebody see themselves run in a, in a good controlled environment, like we offer, that can be very enlightening just on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, that personal experience of being like, wow, no, I didn't know I did that. Um, that, and then we, of course we have buy-in, we, we get buy-in with the graphs and all the other stuff, but, but really just taking a big step back and looking at your running from a 10,000 foot perspective, be very, very mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. Good. So we talked about um, you know, runners coming to this clinic and maybe a lot of a lot of our listeners right now are thinking about it and, uh, you know, considering making a trip to UVA. And just I want to add to this conversation that I did actually drive. Steve and I did drive six hours to get there and then six hours back. So, you know, it wasn't like it's just in town for me either. But I knew this clinic was worth going to and we definitely made the right choice so much so that we did go back. But um if, if someone is thinking about coming, going to visit the clinic and uh, what would you like them to kind of know about visiting? I mean, I was thinking you kind of uh, elaborate a bit more on the it's, this is not a quick fix kind of thing. This is not something that, um, you know, you can go in and walk out with a button pushed. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you're very realistic and you're honest and it can be a little hard to accept. I mean, I had many times where I really got upset during the transition time because uh, it was a struggle. So what would you like runners to know about visiting? I think the number one thing, um, which you had as well when you came to it was you come with an open mind. Um, most people we see, they know there's something quote unquote funny or wrong with their gait. But when they see one person, person try to explain it or help guide them to what they think the reasons are, um, some people have a hard time accepting that. Um, and it doesn't mean anything's wrong with them, like they've done something wrong. Uh, you know, runners get hurt on an extremely frequent basis, at 80 to 85% a year. Um, so we need to, we, the best thing is to come in with an open mind, um, to be prepared to learn and, and not be you know, don't get too frustrated with the result. Um, we know we already have a result and that the person has most likely got some stage of injury going on. So 
we want to have be open to solutions and to changing the mindset that the process of learning some of these techniques or exercises, uh, there's real value in that process. And it may take a while. <laughs> I can I can say and that. It, and it may take some time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, what it, we do have people that come in and um, yeah, honestly, they get they they shave a minute a mile off their time in two weeks. Like literally, I have those people. But but the the majority is about um, having excuse me, the majority is about being open to the potential that they have and also not beating themselves up over things that they've done wrong in the past. A lot of times they just didn't know a different way to run. Um, so, so just be open to that and be a little bit kind to yourself. Okay, good advice there. And uh, I can, you know, I can kind of tell a little bit about more about my story here with uh, when I did go in the first time, uh, you know, Max and his team kind of picked out a few things and told me to work on them and I did I spent probably an hour uh three four times a week on those things and you know I spent a lot of times uh very frustrated I remember I, I called Max a few times during this process of you know crying most of those times saying I you know I don't know if I can do this this doesn't seem to be working and not that it, you know I didn't believe it didn't work but I just I was just it took a good you know five six months before I really saw uh, a real a real difference where I could recognize it. So it is going to take some time and uh, it can be a frustrating process, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back for anything now. I, I'm so glad I made the visit and I actually did, yes, myself go back uh, a few months ago and it was incredible to see the difference between the first time I visited and last time. And then again, go over what things we have to work on this time. So, you know, everyone at UVA really does, um, you know, take the time to get to know you. So I really would recommend this for anyone uh, who is, you know, taking their running seriously, or if you have had a few injuries that kind of keep setting you back because, you know, staying injury free is the biggest thing any runner can ask for. And uh, if that helps you with this, then I, I would say it's worth it. So you have to kind of ask yourself the same question. And um, Max, I just have one other question about uh, the speed clinic in particular, which is um, what about you know, I can see a lot of runners out there now listening and they're saying, oh, I don't want to go, you know, he'd tell me to kind of stop running or he'd tell me I have the worst form in the world. But can you kind of just uh, clarify that, you know, everyone kind of thinks that and, you know, there's good and bad things about every form. And, you know, I'm sure you could even pick uh, someone who thinks they have perfect form and find something that is, you know, not quite right. Absolutely. And there's so many individual differences in running. That's one of the, the most fun things about it. Um, you know, you have, even if somebody has the same size shoe, for example, they're most likely going to have a different ratio of the big toe to the midfoot. So they're going to run different than somebody else that has slightly different structure, uh, either in terms of bone length or muscle density or power output and um, you know, I've seen two marathoners with the same running times that have just totally different profiles. In other words, they get it done completely different ways. And, and that's where we get back to spending two and a half hours with you in terms of really identifying the individual parameters that are going to work correctly for you, not for somebody else, not for who you saw on TV or at the Olympics, but really kind of what's right for you. Mm -hmm. And that's really in the end what it boils down to because we want the runners to have fun. 
Um, and even when we're making sort of important changes in Git or something like that, um, you know, we don't want it to consume your thoughts. If you go out for a 10 mile run and you're thinking the entire time about your forum, I doubt that's why a certain person got into running in the first place. They probably got into running in the first place for the freedom and the, you know, they have a chance to think or be outdoors. Um, spending the entire time focused on form is not the not the answer. You know, if you can give us 20 seconds every half a mile, I, I'd be ecstatic with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I so, learned that lesson the hard way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, people do run to enjoy it. That, that is, I think, why most people got into it with. And we have a serious, serious goal of maintaining that. Okay, good. So runners that are, you know, were initially thinking when we were talking, you know, they envisioned hours and hours of exercises trying to, you know, fix this injury for the rest of their life. This isn't kind of what you're, you know, this isn't what you're all about. You, you know, you want little changes as you go rather than, you know, com committing yourself for, for a life sentence of these exercises. Absolutely. So every mile of running is, takes about 1,500 strides, 1,500 strides. So it doesn't take much of a difference in mechanics or muscle capability or uh, timing of your movements. It doesn't take much of a difference to see a real change. That, that change could be positive or negative, but it doesn't take much of a difference to see a real change. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, and then can you just kind of go into a bit why running form is so important? You know, why is this something that we should focus on as runners and kind of try to make these changes to, like you said, enjoy our runs more? Is it just for injuries or are there other reasons? Well, I think most people, uh, injury is the number one reason, but also getting faster is quite enjoyable for most people. They, they feel better. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, and and when, the, when the change happens, when a change happens that makes their running feel, I should say, more free or more kind of efficient or simpler, um, that's just much more liberating you know, for their head and the, you know, it's easier to talk to their friends or it's easier for them to think or, you know, whatever it is that they like to do while they run, um, all those changes, it kind of opens up the world to, the, to, to making those things happen uh, just at a much better pace and rate for, for that particular person. So there's, there's really a lot of benefits. Um, and there's also a lot of benefit in the simple process of trying to improve yourself. I mean, that, that recognition uh, carries its own its own benefits that can go you know really throughout the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I yeah I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and then uh, let's just talk a little about um, orthotics. Just as I this is something um, you know I didn't originally have it on the uh, list, but I just was kind of curious with um, you know I was in orthotics before I went to the clinic. Uh, I'm sure a lot of runners out there are either a probably either on the fence or either in orthotics or thinking about them. Um, but you brought me out of mine right away. Um, and you mentioned to me at the time, you, you weren't a big fan of orthotics, um, but you have a friend, uh, Sean Eno, who um, may have changed your mind on them. But so could you kind of explain to me your thinking on orthotics, like how it's changed or uh, just, you know, your whole kind of story behind uh, orthotics and your thinking? Sure. My thinking is basically like a pendulum of a grandfather clock. Uh, I, you know, I've gone back and forth a little bit. Um, I would say 
we probably pull out five times more orthotics than we would recommend be fit. In other words, if you want to break that down, I would say a, a large number of people who have orthotics, uh, they either do nothing for them or they actually make their problem worse. You have to remember orthotics are often fit in either a standing or a seated cast, and that has a significantly different set of forces than running because running happens exclusively on one leg, right? You're either in the air or you're on one foot. That's a very different set of forces than it would be either standing or sitting on two feet. But there are some cases where orthotics are extremely useful. Uh, you, know, you, could, you could make the claim that they're almost life-saving. Um, and there's a few people who really know what they're doing. And so when it comes to that, um, I'm, I'm happy to recommend those for people. Okay, good. And uh, so with, you know, you mentioned that some orthotics that people are in, it can almost make things worse. Why is that? Like, why would it be so bad? Is it just because of what you said about, you know, being in the wrong position or what kind of situations would it make it worse? So for, for example, uh, somebody stands, let's say with the weight, I'll just give a random example. Somebody stands with the weight excessively on their heels and the outside of their foot uh, for various reasons, bad posture, okay? And, but once they start to run, their posture is altered because now they're going from standing on two feet to bounding from one foot to the other. So what, what uh, orthotics cast may have set them up to do ends up actually exacerbating the problem that they have when they run. Um, and those things need to be taken into account. So, so a good, if, if you decide to get an orthotic fit and there are people for whom it's appropriate, um, you want to make sure that you get an initial fit and then either send in video or have the person who fit the orthotic actually watch you run in them. It's, that's very important. At the very least, they should be watching you walk in them. And, yeah. and, and, then, and then that orthotic should essentially be edited a couple, probably a couple of times. I would say it's going to take you a good three months um, and probably a couple uh, versions to get the right fit. Um, and if you're not doing that, if somebody's giving you some sort of canned answer out of a, out of a foam bed, um, don't, don't pay attention, too much attention to the technology if they fit with laser or foam beds. Um, the, the real sort of benefit of the orthotic is in the interplay of you and the footer, uh, you and the fitter, sorry, the person fitting your <laughs> orthotics, um, because they should, be, they should be seeing how you are dynamically moving in that orthotic. Most people will get too much running shoe. In other words, too much motion control or stability or whatever you'd like to call it, rather than having that from the foot, you know, their own foot. And, and you want to find somebody you can work with who will go back and forth on you to really understand that dynamic. Um, okay. so, so that's why I think it should take probably a good couple of months and several iterations or edits back and forth. Okay, so you aren't you definitely aren't a fan of those, uh, you know, Doctor Scholl's or the you know out of a box uh, in the grocery store kind of orthotics thing. Right, I think mostly what they would <laughs> mostly what they would provide is a little bit of what we call kinesthetic awareness, in, in the form of something's touching the bottom of your foot differently, and that's going to change the shock absorption mechanism with your body at, at foot contact, and that's that's about the extent of it, um, and that's going to oh. that's going to wear off quickly. <laughs> okay and then you mentioned about uh running shoes so let's just kind of talk about that a little with uh you know you said most people tend to get uh 
either too far with the motion control or the stability. Uh, with for most people, would you recommend a neutral shoe, or does it really? Is there really a difference between someone's, you know, the way they run? Whether we hear a lot of talk about heel striking, or like you said, pronation or supination, like what kind of thing would you recommend for most runners? I think. Well, the answer is always it depends, but a neutral shoe is 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 called that for a reason because probably most people would be well served in one. Um, there's a gentleman, Reed Ferber, out of uh, in Calgary, Alberta, who has a huge database, of, a bank of I think there's like 25 running labs contributing to his data bank, um, and and they've come out with the estimate that a, I I believe about 5%, don't hold me to that number exactly, about 5% of people are well-served by motion control shoes. But the market segment of a motion control shoe is something in the 15 to 20% range. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're oversold. Um, and, and these are by, you know, these, this is determined by, you know, people who are, are real experts in, in, in things a, a little bit like our lab. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they you know they they really know what they're doing and 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 so what's happening is these things are are essentially being oversold and and so instead of the person's foot doing its own job, um, we're getting an outside influence to try and kind of make up for that or do it for it. The reality is is if you train somebody the right way, um, the foot can not only change shape and form but it can. Change change its function and thus the kind of shoes you would wear. There's there's a wonderful video uh, put out by the former lab director, uh, my former my mentor, Jay DeSherry, um, and the video is on YouTube and it's very simple. It's called, Are You Ready to Go Minimal? It has three simple tests to determine if somebody is kind of ready for that more neutral or even a minimal style of shoe. Um, because there's people that come to us that run barefoot or minimal, and I actually put them back into something neutral or stability with some heel cushion, uh, because their ankle and lower leg just simply aren't ready uh, to, to handle that, that kind of uh, force. So, so we have to be careful about what we do. And again, this comes all back to sort of our mission at the lab, which is individuality. You know, we're, we're finding what's best for you, not what's best for who you read about in a magazine. Um, and that, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. So I, I recommend people check out that YouTube video. It's called, Are You Ready to Go Minimal? It was put out by Running Times Magazine and Jay DeSherry. Very simple tests, but I think there's three of them. And it also gives you some concrete solutions to work on those. Okay, great advice. And I, I will put a link to that on the show notes, which can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC71, or you can look that up yourself. So speaking of uh, Jay, uh, he was actually someone that I was, you know, curious to learn more about as, you know, he is one of the uh, big names in the running world. Uh, what was it like working with him? You know, you, you spent some time do it while you were doing your master's working with him. And I don't know if you worked with him afterwards, but what was it like uh, with him? You know, could you always tell he was someone who was going to be a big changer within the running world? I, I think so. You know, Jay is a, a whirlwind of, of not knowledge and energy and information um and he manages to put that in the context of basically relatively no ego in other words he's he's simply there to help not not promote his own philosophy or ideas it's 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 really interesting um the first time i went there i was a master's student i was also the graduate assistant for strength and conditioning at the university of virginia so that that's quite busy on its own right um mm-hmm. 
but I, I heard about this clinic and I was like, this just sounds like the coolest thing ever. And I, Jay told me to just come over that afternoon and see what's going on. And I instantly, when my eyes were open to something, I just, no classroom could teach me. So um, if, you, if you happen to be in the West Coast, then Bend, Oregon is your location and go visit Jay uh, in person. You'll, you'll, you're guaranteed to learn a lot. Um, and be inspired in the process. Great. And uh, did that kind of solidify uh, what you wanted to do right there and then that afternoon, or was it something else and just kind of, that was the seed in your mind? It changed how I looked at what I was going to do, for sure. I, I never imagined I'd actually come back and run this lab, but but it, 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 it made me look at athletics and performance in a very different light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it, 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 it didn't necessarily change the landscape I saw, but it definitely changed the lens I viewed it through. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm guessing as you go along, you know, as you have each different runner come in, your kind of knowledge is growing as time goes on. As Does each runner have something new to kind of add to your, not your resume, but, you know, your list of things that you learn about running or and golfing, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think I learn as much or more from them as they learn from me. Because <laughs> you just you you learn about not only how many how many ways there are to make it work, but just how how to coach and style people. Different people learn in different ways, and uh, that's really the art the art of coaching is kind of understanding that. Um, so I, you know, after several years, I get to the point now where I probably don't need to do all the physical assessments I do. I, I kind of know what I'm going to find before I even get to them. But I feel it's important to keep documenting those uh, on a consistent basis, not only for our database, but but to be consistent and, and make sure that you know I don't I don't start fooling myself and drinking my own Kool Aid. <laughs> I'm just so, I'm sure that would happen important. with you. <laughs> uh, it's it's important. You've got to check yourself on that. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, airplane pilots, uh, you know, have a checklist of what would seem to be incredibly rudimentary things. I mean, they're world experts in flying, but they, they still do it because if you make a mistake, you know, it's a tragic mistake. So yeah, the same goes for us. We have to, we have to have our audits and our system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you said about, you know, you, you can kind of tell now when someone comes in uh, without even necessarily needing to do the physical, even though you do it anyway. What are some common mistakes that you see or common things you see within runners? Is there something that you see quite often uh, or something that someone could look out for if they are doing it to know to come in? That, that's, a, that's a great great question. And I think a lot of it boils down to, <clears throat> you have to understand that uh, gait is largely controlled at the spinal cord level, meaning a lot of it's somewhat reflexive and subconscious. Uh, you know that you can... Tina, you know, personally, you can consciously try to alter your gait, but it also takes a lot of time uh, and effort. Mm-hmm. So the sum total of all that is to understand that your gait reflects your daily habits in some form or another. So those daily habits could be wonderful or they could be really bad. They could involve sitting at the, at the computer screen and being stressed for 12 hours a day. That's going to show up in your gait. And, and with, with the culture that we have, uh, we tend to see a lot of tight ankles, a lot of tight hip flexors, and a lot of weak butts. <laughs> weak glutes. Uh, those would be really three of the things. And, and really overall just kind of crappy posture, a forward head posture with, with bad, um, what some people would call core stability. So 
so it's really the the connection of uh, you know the hips to the extremities that that you know gets gets lost the most often and would be the number one thing that we see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. And so you're saying that you know it's not just enough to work on your running form during the day or when you're out on your run for that you know short amount of time, but if you're if you're doing that and then you have bad posture or you're sitting in a certain position or you know you're putting your body in discomfort other ways then you know that can almost be more detrimental to you than the running is that kind of what you're saying absolutely and and, and just the same as as a habit can steer you in the wrong direction it can steer you in the right direction so if you come and you know we tell you that you need to do some better flexibility or mobility in your ankle well, there's a great reason for you to have an office break every half hour and stand up and do a few of those drills and come back. And the more that makes a habit, the more it's going to, the more and faster it will translate over. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then someone who is not in the States or someone who is, you know, really uh, a really long way away from you um, and they are looking to go to a, some kind of uh, running assessment. Do you have maybe three tips you would recommend for people? I mean, you mentioned some earlier, but that you would recommend for people not uh, like to look out for or to look for while they're looking for an assessment? Um, let me ask you, are you talking about going to see somebody for an assessment or self-assessment? Uh, I mean, I guess either, whichever. I mean, I think most people would probably rather do the assessment themselves if they could. So let's go. Okay. With that. <laughs> yeah, they can, they can save themselves a little money too. Um, so with, with videos these days, it's pretty easy to take a cell phone video uh, uh, of your running and you, I would say if you take one video directly face on and one video from the side, that's going to be useful. And the biggest thing to look for is the video from the side is how is your posture? In other words, are there a lot of curves and kinks or are there some pretty nice straight lines? Where is your foot landing? Is it landing out in front of your chest or is it landing kind of more underneath your belly button? And face on, you can look at yourself in single leg stance or in mid stance. So once your once your leg contacts and, and runs through a little bit, and you're and you're sort of firmly standing on that one leg, just you know kind of freeze frame that and see how it looks. You know, again, are there a lot of bends and kinks? Are you leaning to one side? Is your arm sticking way out? Um, most people have a pretty good hunch, uh, you know, intuitive sense as to what looks sort of right or wrong. Now the fixes. Mm -hmm for that, then go back to the things we were just talking about, which would be better posture and better balance. Uh, those things are 100% changeable and they're largely habitual. If you do a little bit many times a day, you're gonna be much better off than if you try and just knock out one sort of 20 minute balance session uh, at four o'clock every afternoon. That, 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 the payoff of that is not nearly as good. So a little bit on a regular basis, it's much better. Okay, great advice. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people and, uh, you know, gives gives most people a starting point if you're not quite at the stage where you want to go to a uh, full-on assessment. Um, just one other thing I kind of wanted to ask about, just as this is something I know a little about, but I'm sure this uh, is don't really, have probably never heard of it. Um, but when I returned to uh, UVA last time, we worked with uh, Todd Nieder, who is a chiropractor who um, uses DNS. So could you kind of explain what that is to our listeners and why it's effective? Yeah, so DNS stands for Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. It's a fancy way of basically saying uh, balance and posture, which is what I just harped yep. on. 
And the reason I got into it um, is there are many paradigms and methods and so on and so forth. And, and this essentially draws organically from how a babies begin to move and how they sort of find movement on their own. So if, if, you, if you notice how, you know, a, a child left on its own, um, watching adults move around will eventually migrate to what the adults do. In other words, they'll eventually migrate to walking and jumping and getting up. But they have to own each of those positions because their neuromuscular system you know, isn't ready for that coming out of the womb. And so these kids will very, you know, if you watch a developing child, they will pass landmarks and really kind of own those landmarks before getting on to the next step. And that's really to me, the most sensible way to train an adult, too. Um, and so I left it to people smarter than myself, Dr. Pablo Kolosh, or just Michael Rintala and Brett Winchester in the United States, um, as well as Todd Nieder, that have really kind of helped kind of propagate this just very basic common sense way of going about um, coaching movement. So if we want a human to move better, we simply place them in somewhat of a mental position, like lying on your side, for example, and having you execute some basic movements uh, that as those improve, so does every other movement that goes up and comes next, eventually into things like running and jumping. And it's, ex it's extremely effective for 10 to 15 minutes of sort of preparation or movement exercise. Uh, I have, you know, literally data on my computer that show dramatic before and after results um, of, uh, of just getting people to intuitively move with better posture and balance. Yeah, that's great. And I just wanted to kind of, you know, give people some something to think about. I know a lot of you listening kind of love learning about running and love learning about things that can help. So, you know, uh, I thought DNS would be a good area for people to kind of, if you are curious about that, you can kind of research into it. And I know, Max, you're kind of taking lots of steps to go to conferences and uh, things about it to learn more. So I'm interested to see how that kind of comes into play in the future with you. And um, I might even think about getting Todd or one of the other uh, experts you mentioned to come on the show in the future to kind of uh, fill us in a bit more about that. So is there anything else you would like to add um, about the uh, UVA Speed Clinic and where people can, how the best way they can find it is? Uh the easiest way, our, our website is absurdly long and convoluted because we're part of a public university. So <laughs> the best way to find us is through your favorite search engine and uh, search for UVA Speed Clinic. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel with a, a, a decent number, maybe a third of our corrective exercises are on the YouTube channel. And um, I, I, will, I will just add that, that uh, we've been fortunate to... To, to have a lot of great visitors and, and learn from them uh, just as much as we've tried to help uh, others learn from us. So that, that's really in the end, as a university laboratory, that's really what we're supposed to be about. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's been great. And I will put a link in the show notes again at uh, runnersconnect.net forward slash RC71. And uh, you can also, I'll put, some, put a direct link uh, to learn more about Max as well, if you are interested in that. Um, but Max, I just have one more question, uh, which is for all the guests I have on the show, which is if you could give one word to describe what you would like to become, accomplish or achieve, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> Putting me on. Oh. You can handle it. 
I'll use a hyphenated word. I think open-minded. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, we can all get swallowed up in various paradigms. You know, when I first learned uh, about power cleans and Olympic lifting, I thought it was the greatest thing. And then I learned about BOSU balls and I thought they could be good. And uh, then I learned about this or that. And, you know, um, the more you learn, the more you realize, the less you know, I think. Uh, and, and so if I can be open-minded, um, then I'll continue to learn. And, and that's probably uh, the most interesting and fascinating way to, to go through life. Yeah, and also growing. I think that's also a word you could use if you want to keep growing. You keep wanting to learn more, not not in a physical sense, in a learning more way. <laughs> um, okay, Maxwell, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot from this. Again, I cannot recommend uh, UVA Speed Clinic highly enough, and I'm sure I will be back for a third visit, so you can... Believe me even more when I uh, when I say that. But uh, I appreciate your time, Max, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tina. I appreciate you listening to my rambling. It was enjoyable. <laughs> I'm sure everyone enjoyed it. Well, did you enjoy that podcast? I definitely did, and I always loved talking to Max. And actually, after the podcast ended, we did actually go on to talk about my running form just a little more. So he's constantly trying to help other people. So hopefully you got that from the interview. What we talked about today, as well as a link to the UVA Speed Clinic, can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC71. So in case you haven't already, and you have been listening for a few episodes now, I really would encourage you to subscribe to the Runners Connect podcast on iTunes or whatever channel you decide to listen through. It really helps support us and it's, you know, it makes it so much easier than every Wednesday morning. It's just there already on your phone or your tablet. So I also wanted to say if there's anyone that does have any suggestions for future guests, I'm open to new ideas and I would encourage you to email me tina at runnersconnect.net. So until next week, have a great week.